Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Network presents the Fantasy Football Face-Off. Get ready for fantasy, DFS, and betting talk to get you in the game. If you want to win, you have to tune in with your host, Anthony Servino. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Faceoff. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the FF Faceoff. I'm your host, Anthony Servino. Follow me on Twitter at the Real NFL Guru. Follow the show at the FF Faceoff. We can be found at all the top social media and podcast platforms. This show is brought to you by No House Advantage Fantasy. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $150,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and earn 20 times your entry fee if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major fantasy sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with the promo code FACEOFF, F-A-C-E-O-F-F, at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app available in both the Apple and Android app stores to get a 100% deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but it's also where you play it. Guys, back with me to discuss week three waiver wire pickups. We have Frank Emirante. Frank, what is going on in a very busy, uh, you know, week three? What's up? Great to be back. Uh, unfortunately, still waiting on my laptop, so you won't get to see my zoomed in face. Uh, but I joined by audio. Excited to talk uh, this week's waiver wire. Yeah, how did you do? Uh, you know, week two, crazy. Like I always like to to say on the show, especially earlier in the year, some of these teams, like especially like the Bengals, Joe Burrow uh, dealt with the appendix. Like got teams like the Bengals and, and McVeigh, especially they don't put their starters out there. So some of these teams in the first two weeks are really in preseason mode. So don't overreact. 100% agree. And you mentioned the Bengals. I think we got to be patient with them. I don't believe that we'll see 
this kind of crazy offensive line struggles that we've seen in the first two weeks. And this offense should get going any time now, maybe this week against the Jets, because there's just too much talent here. So I, I would exercise patience, especially with Burrow, because obviously Chase and Higgins uh, haven't really done poorly, so you're not really restless with them. You might be with Burrow, but I think I'm still optimistic on him. One thing I like is that, like I mentioned earlier in the offseason, he's running a lot more, and that's because his knee is healthy and he's had to take off with the offensive line concerns. Look at this, 47 rushing yards in week one, 26 in week two. So that little extra bump in rushing will definitely help out his fantasy production overall, especially when he starts firing through the air. Uh, what was your biggest surprise of, of week two before we get into week three waiver ads? Oh, hands down, Kyle Pitts and his lack of mm. usage. I thought, you know, in one home league, I, I traded for him thinking, like after week one, I made a move, uh, traded for him, traded Kittle and A-Rob for Pitts and Chark. And I thought, you know, considering he only had two catches for 19 yards in week one, they'd really try to feed him more. Like we saw, we saw that in week two. Players who had poor week ones tended to really uh, bounce back in week two. Look at Amari Cooper in Cleveland. He had a big game after a slow one in week one. Uh, look at A-Rob. He showed some life. Aaron Jones, he went off. No, Kyle Pitts, same line. Three catches, 19 yards. I don't understand why Arthur Smith keeps leaving him out to block. Wake up. You have a unicorn at tight end. Uh, match him up against linebackers more in the slot. What's with all this lining him out, out wide all the time? Like, mix it up more, but emphasize more in the slot they got to make him really a featured player in the offense and they haven't yet i'm not too worried yet maybe a little bit but i i still think he's an elite tight end but it certainly is frustrating do you think it's because you know let's stay on kyle pitts um is it just because the enemy defense is trying to take him out and saying hey come beat us another way and they're you know using Cordell Patterson they're using obviously Drake London or you know you know what is going on here Yeah it could be part of that and that could have you know the added attention toward Pitts could have helped out London in in starting his career who I might add has been fantastic and looks at the very worst, like a high-end wide receiver three for the rest of the season. He's probably even a wide receiver two. Um, but it's also probably to do with the fact that maybe Arthur Smith isn't being creative enough and getting him in those favorable situations, favorable, favorable matchups. Maybe Mariota needs to look his way a little bit more. It's a combination of things. I'm certainly not worried about Pitts as a player overall. Like It's only a matter of time before he wakes up, but it's definitely frustrating to see him held back early on in the year. Yeah, I like Drake London. And my initial worry is, okay, let's see how he performs against uh, um, Jalen Ramsey. And Drake London looks like the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. I believe he had a 40% target share in week two. He's totally dominated targets early on. You love to see that from a rookie. When you see that kind of target hog show up right away like we do here with london you have to be bullish especially the high draft capital how so many people really liked him as a prospect like he could be a mid-tier receiver too maybe even more like he looks great 
you have to be uh, impressed with what you saw from him. We have our first question. This one from, it looks like, uh, Squid. Um, would we rather trade Elijah Moore for DeAndre Hopkins or... Uh, it's actually Elijah Moore for DeAndre Hopkins or Elijah Moore and Cooks for Hopkins and Evans? Well, for one thing I will say, I, I loved Elijah Moore coming in. I'm not worried about him yet. I know Garrett Wilson looks incredible, just as good as London, and he's coming off a huge game. But Elijah Moore still is, has a route participation percentage in the 90s, so he's always on the field. He sh we, show it, we saw his talent last year and his ability to really separate from opposing corners. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets going and he, he plays like a high-end wide receiver three even more, maybe wide receiver two. But the second trade that he mentioned, it was Morin Cooks for Evans and Hopkins. I mean, it's fair. Uh, you'll have to deal with the fact that Evans is out this week, as is Hopkins. That could be a little bit... That that's pretty bad. Like if you're two and oh, I could stomach that kind of loss uh, for this week. But you don't want to just give away weeks, right? Any every week is huge. So if you're like in a must-win situation, oh and two. Well, sorry, not must-win, but in a big in a big spot. I don't know if I'd make that trade because it really affects your week three lineup way too much. Yeah, I, I mean, you're giving up Elijah Moore in one case for DeAndre Hopkins, but then on the other side, it could be Elijah Moore and Brandon Cooks, and you'd be getting back Hopkins and Mike Evans, who, like, what uh, Frank is saying, there is no week three with either one of these wide receivers. So are you willing, like, if you're a 2-0 team and you feel like, okay, like, I can make this move and really set myself up well for the rest of the season, and I think you can make that move. But if you're, like, 0-2, if you're struggling, uh, even 1-1 one and one is struggling, I don't know if I make this move because you're, you're really cripping, crippling yourself. Yeah, exactly. And plus, you might even argue that you're not even coming away on top when all the players are healthy yet. Like, I know Evans on paper is the best player in the deal, but we don't really know exactly how Hopkins will look when he return when he returns. Uh, he, he wasn't all that great last season, so I wouldn't do it just for that. And plus, if you wait and, and the, the team who's offering you this has to deal with the fact that both of those receivers are out of their lineup, you could see them lose the week be more willing to trade them at even a, a decreased cost, and it would be benefit, beneficial for you. Now, uh, he's saying he's 1-1 one one playing against a stacked team, but he's fourth in points for the tiebreak. I, I think I would hold your guys. Yeah, I'd hold. Um, let's go to Willie Bob on YouTube. He wants to know, by, by low or hell no, on Joe Burrow, Eckler, Pitts, Juju, C.D. Lamb. Okay, let's start with Burrow. Yes, by low. Uh, he had a bad game against Dallas, but his fantasy production was good in week one. Like I said, he's running more because that knee is healthy. Um, also, you know, their offensive line can't be this bad all season, I can't imagine. They did improve it on paper after all. So definitely by low on, on Burrow. Uh, did you want me to go say all of the players and then no, you uh, yeah, say I'll, your I'll, thoughts? No I'll, no, I'll jump in on, on Burrow and then we'll move on to the okay. next one. 
Um, yeah, it's better. As, as far as Joe Burrow, if this offensive line, like this is what I said at the top of the show about not panicking. They added three new starters. Offensive line, you must have continuity. And with three new starters and no preseason time, it's going to take them a little bit of time to gel. So I'd pump the brakes a little bit before panicking. And you might be able to steal Joe Burrow right now. And Joe Burrow, he kind of broke especially uh, his highest weeks late last season. So I, I would I would pump the brakes. Like last season, Burrow didn't get his first QB one week until week four. Yeah. Exactly. You got to be patient with him. He's got such a good supporting cast. And like I keep saying, he's not a total zero in the run game. So all the detractors were like, I need a quarterback who could run. Well, Burrow can a little bit. So that's a thing. So definitely uh, be patient with him. Uh, in terms of Kyle Pitts, Frank, I know you spoke about him a little bit earlier, but uh, you want to reiterate this for Will? Yeah, uh, Kyle Pitts. I'm I'm still a believer in the talent that will win out in the end. I would buy low on him, especially because the person who has him likely took him third or fourth round, meaning that real dud of the first two games could have put them at 0-2, so they might be getting restless. You might be able to get a discount on Pitts. And uh, I know it's a somewhat concerning that there's just such low usage in the first two weeks, but at the end of the day, it's only two weeks definitely by low on him he's a unique talent as we all know yeah i'm not pumping the i, I mean i'm not uh panicking on kyle pitts just yet just like frank uh look at the talent he is and also look at the situation he's in at the quarterback position marcus mariota is very much capable i think a lot of people including myself a little bit slept on marcus mariota and i believe they have like the 10th best offense in terms of scoring uh, and and it, it's not like they're playing the Texans. Like, they're putting up points against the Rams. They put up points. I forgot. I, I think the Saints in week one, two pretty good defenses, maybe struggling a little bit early. Uh, but in terms of, like, is Kyle Pitts on the field, 82.9 and 90.9% snap share, 19 and 25 routes, uh, 10 total targets, only one in the red zone, which came last week, identical to reception for 19-yard performances. He's eventually going to get going. Kyle Pitts put up quietly the most quiet 1,000-yard season I've ever seen because I, until I saw it in the offseason, I didn't realize he did it. Kyle Pitts is going to be fine, um, and, and it could come beginning this week against Seattle. Yeah, exactly. And just you could we could look a bit back to last season in a way, like for example, with another player. Like sometimes players just take off as the season goes along. Last season, T. Higgins started off. You know, he got a touch on his first two games, but then he got injured. When he came back, he was really coming with two straight slow weeks. Then he really made a major impact down the stretch. So you got to just believe talent will win out. Uh, try to buy low on pits for sure. Where are we with Austin Eckler, Frank? Because Eckler, um, I, I get that people are a little bit worried, but in PPR score, scoring formats without scoring a touchdown, still had 18.4 points last week. In fact, he was the RB4 in fantasy and PPR leagues in week two, and people are panicking. Like, why? This is a guy who didn't score a touchdown, hyper-targeted, especially last week, 9 of 10 for 94 yards, uh, 14 carries. Uh, again, the 94 total yards with that. 
Um, 33 routes run, and I get it, Austin Eckler. You know, the Chargers were down. Who knows how, how much that's going to happen this year. But still, he's an elite running back. He saw a 62.7% snap share in week one, only 49.2. I think we're going to get more of the week two Eckler for the duration of the season. The Chargers want to make a run for the Super Bowl. They want to challenge um, they want to challenge Kansas City for this division. They're not going to do that unless Austin Eckler is touching the football. Yeah, exactly. I think part of the reason why people may be a little bit uh, annoyed is the fact that, you know, Eckler went as high as third overall in drafts and they're watching Cooper Cup go off, Jefferson have a big game, Stefan Diggs go off, while Eckler's just been kind of like having a couple of floor weeks. It's also frustrating for players who have Eckler when they see, you know, he gets subbed off for Sony Michelle at the goal line. But at the end of the day, this is a player who makes a major impact in the passing game. As you said, he had 10 targets last week. That's major usage. That's what we want. We want targets over rush attempts are more valuable. So if you're able to get Eckler at a discounted price, I would absolutely make that move. Uh, I don't think he'll have that truly kind of blow up season, but he's going to be like a top six fantasy running back, probably top seven or so. And that's valuable. And if you get him, maybe you trade a running back who's doing a bit better so far. Maybe uh, you could trade like a Joe Mixon or something like that. Uh, I think that's a fair move. They're pretty close. But yeah, I'm not too worried about Eckler. C.D. Lamb, and uh, C.D. Lamb obviously struggled with Dak in week one, uh, but C.D. Lamb got back on track a little bit last week with Cooper Rush, 15.1 fantasy points, um, wide receiver 24. That's only going to get better. Uh, 11 targets in each of the first two games, 96 and a 94.8% snap share in each of the first two games. Uh, getting targeted is easily when you have Noah Brown and uh, who's that other schmuck? David Houston on the field. Uh, Dennis <laughs> Houston. Fico Ma. I, I don't even know these guys' names. I'm a Cowboys fan, and I do this every day <laughs> of my life. I can't pronounce. I don't even know who these guys are. C.D. Lamb is going to keep getting hyper-targeted, and eventually the talent's going to show through. Now, do I believe C.D. Lamb is an elite wide receiver? No, I think he's a tier below, which is why you drafted him right where he should be in that second round. Um but, you know, with Cooper Rush, he's going to keep going to C.D. Lamb, and Dak's going to get back, and he's going to keep targeting C.D. Lamb. And the good thing is Dallas' schedule is soft. They get the Giants, and the Giants' defense looks okay, but who do they play so far? The, the Panthers and, and the Titans. You get Giants, and you get Washington, and then you get the possibility of Dak coming back in Week 5. Short possibility, but still a possibility. So I would go and buy C.D. Lamb because some people just want to get rid of him. Absolutely. Uh, he's been inefficient so far, but like you said, the targets are there. He has 11 in each of his two games. You have to like the fact that, hey, Cooper Rush, at least he wasn't like a Ben DiNucci out there. He, at least he can move the offense to some extent. And you love the fact that he targeted C.D. Lamb. So... I have Lamb in a couple leagues of my own, and and that really encouraged me to that that um it won't be too much of a bumpy ride as as we try to weather the storm in Dak's absence. So, you know, definitely try to buy low if you could trade someone like, for example, maybe you can trade 
Rashad Bateman for CD Lamb. I know Bateman looks great in his second year. He's caught two long touchdowns, but he doesn't have that type of volume that Lamb has. Where like Bateman has 12 targets in two games, it's just that he's been highly efficient. Maybe an antsy player in your league looks at Bateman, sees what he's done so far, looks at Lamb, sees he has Cooper Rush. Maybe you can try to buy low to in that in that regard, and I would make a move like that. And finally, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, Juju, pretty good the first game, kind of a dud last week. I think this is what we're going to get out of Juju Smith-Schuster. What I'm seeing this year from Patrick Mahomes is the fact that he's not just targeting, he's obviously going to target Kelsey, but it's not just Tyreek Kelsey uh, and everybody else. He's more of that point guard and distributing the football to whoever the hell's open. And, and that's good from a football perspective, but it could create a headache for fantasy football managers of Chiefs wide receivers. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I will say one thing. I still think Juju will be the most valuable out of this group. And I think mm, sooner yeah. or later, I think he's going to have to start to rely on one out of their group of receivers because like, MVS just is out there getting cardio, running routes, and not getting much targets and not doing much. Uh, you know, Kelsey can't do it all. Hardman is is just that kind of uh, underneath option. They need Juju to really step up. I think it was just a down game for him. I'm, I still think he could be a rock-solid high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. He would be someone maybe... You can get him at a super discount because if we look at his production, I think I'm pretty sure his big game, uh, all of those yards came in the first half. So if we go like from week one, second half, plus the entire game in week two where he did basically nothing, maybe that person who has Juju in your league is watching that. He's like, what the hell? This guy's not doing anything. They get impatient. Maybe you could buy low on him there. Next, we have Connor Bateman. Uh, Julia, what's going on? Nice to see you again. Uh, Connor Bateman wants to know, um, in his Superflex PPR league, he has Mahomes and Jameis Winston as his quarterbacks. How much fab budget should he give out of $100 to try to get Jimmy Garoppolo? And I noted yesterday that Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off his best fantasy season in terms of fantasy points per game where he was a quarterback 15. We know what Jimmy Garoppolo can do in this 49ers offense. I, I, I actually bump up the weapons around Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be a quality QB2 and Superflex, and depending on the matchup, uh, you know, a, a nice streamer and one quarterback. Yeah, 100%. As we know, quarterbacks are a premium in Superflex, and pretty much everyone who's starting is rostered. So given the fact that you have only two, and one of them is Jameis Winston, who's banged up, we want to make sure that we're, like, for me, I always like to make sure I have a quarterback to put in Superflex. I don't want to put a non-quarterback there. So because of that, you need to prioritize Garoppolo. Um, thing is, one thing I will say is I'm not as, like with Superflex formats, I'm not as familiar with how much quarterbacks tend mm. to go in terms of fab. But for example, in one that I'm in, I just lost Dak. Like I said, I'm desperate for a quarterback. I put in, I think it was 20% for Cooper Rush just to make sure. 
I have someone there. I didn't care that it's a lot. It's still a quarterback starting. And and in that league, especially quarterback, uh, get even more points. I don't even know what's up with the scoring system. But I digress. The point is, for you, Garoppolo, he's more of a stable asset. Put up 30%, I would say. Make sure you get him. Yeah, and he's saying that there's nobody else available, which is the norm for your regular super flex leagues with 12 teams, unless he trades for somebody. And if you trade somebody, you're probably going to have to pay a premium for it. Uh, 30, even 35% for Jimmy Garoppolo. This way, you know, you have Mahomes, Winston, and, and Jimmy G. Like, if something happens to Winston, or if Winston struggles, like, it's still Jameis Winston. He's still going to have his big games. He's still going to have his disappointment games where you're still, like, like, Jimmy Garoppolo will give you a nice, solid floor every week. And yeah, plus, exactly. you're, you're, you're blocking somebody else from making their team better. Exactly. Uh, it's a big you you need him. I would make the move. Uh Julia wants to know if uh how do we see Doug Peterson utilizing Zay Jones versus Evan Ingram going forward? If you can only have one, who would you start rest of season? Oh, for me, definitely Evan Ingram, just for the simple fact mm. that he plays tight end. We it, obviously there's a positional scarcity scarcity there. And I know Zay Jones had a nice week one. He got, um, what was it? He got nine targets. Mm -hmm. He could, he's probably the second option in terms of receivers. But, uh, my thing is like, it'll be hard to know when to start him. Receivers are is such a, a deep position, especially with how good the rookies have looked in London and Garrett Wilson, even Traylon Burks looked good last night. You know how there's some, Slow starting year two players, Elijah Moore, who could get going. You know, there's there's a lot there. So it's just too tough to really roster, really know when to start um, Zay Jones unless it's a best ball format. So I'm going at Ingram. I like Zay Jones a lot. Um, I've always been a Zay Jones guy. It's unfortunate he's never been able to get going. He's been around, a former second-round pick, great measurables and metrics, but never really uh, established a home, never really caught on as a consist consistent contributor. Week one, it looks like, hey, maybe this is it for Zay Jones. And then he sees spikes going in the wrong direction in snap share, in routes, um, in targets, so like across the board for Zay Jones. Whereas with Evan Ingram, we already know Doug Peterson from his time in Philadelphia loves targeting the tight end position, loves targeting the tight end position. And, um, you know, last week we saw out of Evan Ingram, 7 of 8, 46, 11.6 uh, PPR points, good for the tight end 11. Uh, I, I think I'm going to lean Frank here with Evan Ingram. Now, will Zay Jones give you those big pop weeks? Yes, but when are they coming? Which is why he said Zay Jones is great for best ball. But in your uh, PPR leagues, in your tight end premium leagues, Zay uh, Evan Ingram, if he stays healthy, he's going to finish as a tight end one. And this is a dude you could have had for free because about people are just soured on Evan Ingram. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you got to like how Doug Peterson uses tight ends. You like the change of scenery for Ingram. You like that heavy, heavy target number in week two. And of course, it's it's such a, you know, weak position. So I, I'm in. I, I drafted a lot of Evan Ingram in uh, underdog best balls. 
Uh, Frank, uh, back to Squid on Twitter. Uh, he wants to know: Last year, when Elijah Moore had that breakout second half, was that because was that with Flacco or Wilson? I'm actually drawing a blank here as well. I know Mike uh, White got in the mix too for a yeah. couple of games. It was like a collective party at quarterback yeah. for the Jets. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It was a mix of uh, Flacco and Mike White. Uh, for example, here I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up a mm. little bit for you here. So the first game he went six for sixty-seven. It was with Mike White. Then remember that Colts game? It was on a Thursday night. They made that crazy comeback, and Elijah Moore caught two touchdowns. They didn't win. They lost. They sort of made a comeback. It was just a late, like, couple touchdowns, and it was with Josh Johnson. Oh my god! And Elijah Moore caught two touchdowns there with eighty-four yards. Then when he caught had that 141-yard game against Miami, it was with Joe Flacco. So none of it was really with uh, Zach Wilson. But I'm still hopeful in Elijah Moore just because I'm a big believer in the talent. Even when Zach Wilson returns, for one, we could see, of course, year two is when we tend to see a lot of growth from uh, in players from year one to two. Secondly, like that supporting cast is unreal. Like Garrett Wilson looks unbelievable. And just because he's so good doesn't mean Elijah Moore just gets left in the dust. He's great in his own right. So Zach Wilson has all the tools when he returns with that kind of supporting cast. You have to think he'll take a jump from last year. Um, also, on Alvin Kamara, have you heard anything, Frank, about his playing status? Obviously, dealing with ribs, was inactive against the Buccaneers. Now they have the Panthers coming up. You would think after this loss, uh, I would see Alvin Kamara, if he's physically able, they're going to put him on the football field because that Saints offense did not look very good at all. And the, the, the last thing you want to do is, is give Tampa Bay a little bit more of a lead in that division. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't heard anything yet. Mm, same. It's still early in the week. Uh, but, you know, we got to monitor that. I am worried about him a little bit, though. It just feels like a ugly year for him, you know, with the looming suspension hanging over his head, that slow start. Now he's injured. Winston is banged up, too. They have a lot of weapons outside now instead of before. Where, you know, they don't check it down as much with Breeze gone. Uh it's a, he, I don't know. He, I'm kind of worried if you could, for example, I would probably trade him if I could. I think we might have lost Frank here for a minute. 
We'll see if uh, we can get Frank back. Again, he's having a little bit of technical issues without uh, without the laptop, one, uh, which should be coming ASAP. Oh, Frank, are you back? Yeah, because I'm doing it on the phone. When I get a phone yeah. call, it just exits Skype for me. Sorry. That's okay. uh, I would I would trade Kamara if I could get someone like Joe Mixon, let's say. You'd probably have to add a little bit. It just feels off for him right now. I, I get it because this is a new look Saint. Like, I'm always going to believe, like, why the hell didn't the Saints go get this much wide receiver help for Drew Brees? Yeah, I know. Seriously, what the heck, man? I don't get it. I mean, they're literally three deep at receiver. And with Brees, they had Michael Thomas and a bunch of guys, even in the, Mar the Marquez Colston era. Like, the best that they supporting cast they had was like Willie Sneed and, um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank and like Dante Stallworth. Like, imagine if Debra Drew Brees Henderson. had imagine if Drew Brees had Peyton Manning's receivers. Like Marvin Harrison and yes. Reggie Wayne. Like I can only imagine the, the numbers he'd be putting oh, he yeah. would have put up. That'd be nasty. Now let's get into some waiver wire pickups. And and the one that I, I'm really and I, I and he might be uh rostered in some leagues, but Raheem Mostert, like I want to get my hands on Raheem Mostert, 56.5% snap share last week, Frank. Uh 11 carries, 79 total yards, 14 routes run, uh, and three of three on receptions. A, a nice high floor week, RB 20, 10.9 PPR points. Raheem Moster, despite the injury history, should be rostered right now. This Miami offense is clicking. And Raheem Mostert is the best pure rusher in this backfield. I like Chase Edmonds, but Raheem Mostert's a superior rusher with the football. I will agree with you in that, you know, he's he should be rostered for sure. It's a good offense. He has familiarity in the scheme. He he definitely dominated the the touches uh last week, but it feels like it's going to be a headache here. I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Edmonds really lead the way in uh, in week one? Like he had more of the snap share and then it just flipped to Moser. It just seems like it's going to be a headache and uh, it's tough to really start him at this point. But yeah, they actually had uh, like uh, identical, like, you know, they, they literally flipped where Edmonds had the 10 and a half PPR points, which was actually RB 31 last week. This week was RB 20. Uh, you know, one more target and reception, a few less total yards and a few less carries. So, yeah, they literally did flip-flop. Yeah, so it might be that kind of weird situation where one week uh, one of the two is leading the way, then the other flips like we saw right now. But, yeah, definitely ha he needs to be rostered, especially if you had, let's say, J.K. Dobbins as your RB2 and he's been out longer than we originally thought. You need someone that, you know definitely has a bit of standalone value and that he'll he'll play and get some touches uh yeah you got to play Mostert and hopefully we get some more clarity on that backfield Frank who is a player you're targeting this week on waivers oh without a doubt by a mile it's Garrett Wilson I know some listeners might say that oh he's rostered in my league but, of course, we, we address for every type of fantasy football player. And we I'm looking at Yahoo, and he's only rostered in 25% wow. of leagues. So, wow. yes, he might be rostered in your league, but in 75% of leagues on one of the most popular platforms, he is not. So I'm going to count him as a waiver pickup. He looked 
outstanding last week. Eight catches, like 122 yards, two touchdowns. Had around 14, 15 targets. I had an interesting stat I tweeted today from PFF. Uh, if you look at expected fantasy points, Cooper Cup unexpectedly leads with 53. Second is Garrett Wilson. And that's that that metric is showing you like the opportunity is there. And it and likely as Wilson gets more route participation, which already increased from week two compared to week one, like I believe week one he was around 58%, and last week it jumped up to plus 70 plus percent. And you got to think that's only going to continue because he looks like their best player. So whenever we see rookies who were drafted high in the first round make an immediate impact like this, we need to pounce because the upside is enormous. It wasn't just week two. Now, obviously, against Cleveland week two, Garrett Wilson pops. Wide receiver six, 30 fantasy points, 102 yards, eight receptions, 14 targets, including five in the red zone, 63.6% snap share. But if you scale back to week one, 46.8% of the snaps, 34 routes, which is only one less than week two, eight targets, Three in the red zones, but only caught four for 52. Still 9.2 PPR points, so almost a 10-point PPR point floor here. But the usage in week one was 100% there. Again, eight targets, three in the red zone. This past week, 14-5 in the red zone. So the usage has been consistent. Exactly. He's earning targets at a high rate. He's. We, I got to consider him as the number one in that passing game. I know I love Elijah Moore. He'll get it going, but it's it's Wilson for me, and he's a, he for me he's the top rookie wideout ahead of Drake London just by a little bit, and I think really with both of those players, such huge upside for the rest of the season. Now uh, let's go to a player that might be on your waiver wire. Um, Russell Gage, only 55.1% of uh, ESPN League. So roughly 45% uh, of the leagues, Russell Gage is out there. And Mike Evans is not playing this week. We don't know what the hell is going on with Chris Godwin or Julio Jones. So we could be looking at a situation where Russell Gage is the number one wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now they just signed Beasley to their practice squad. Uh, they have Rashad Perriman. Russell Gage, you know, how much priority is Russell Gage for you, Frank? Because I, I think, especially this week coming up, he should be a high priority against Green Bay. Yeah, for sure. You love the opportunity, and he's shown it in the past that he can earn targets when he's depended on. Look what he did down the stretch in Atlanta last year. Uh, one thing I will say is that Tampa Bay offense really isn't looking good right now. They're mm. just going through it. They're struggling. It's going to take time for them to get clicking again. They'll likely be, be sloppy once more this week. You look at that game, it's got a 41-point total. Could you imagine I told you mid-year last year that a game with Green Bay and Tampa Bay only had a 41-point total? You would have told me who's starting, Jordan Love and uh, Blaine Gabbert? But no, it's Brady and Rodgers, and that just that just shows you how much these offenses are, are struggling or or playing more run-heavy in Green Bay's case, given their lack of options at receiver. So I will pour a little bit of cold water there and thinking, like, this isn't gauged getting opportunity in the Tampa Bay passing game of last year. Like, they're out of sync right now. 
I, I think Leonard Fournette, if he's healthy, which I think it sounds like he is, um, will really dominate touches in this game given their lack of receiver depth. But yeah, overall, I do agree with your overall sentiment in that Gage should be definitely rostered right now. I uh, I actually picked, I did my best bets for over at the game day where Frank works as well. And I actually took Green Bay on the road uh, because my reasoning is these teams actually match up with the quarterbacks, with dealing with, you know, uh, and I actually use this line where um, Green Bay's wide receiver issues is self-inflicted. And on the other side, Tampa Bay, they're dealing with injuries. It's going to be dominated by the run and defense. But I lean Green Bay because they have two very good running backs where, like, Leonard Fournette, like, he can only – get so much run where these other two guys, they can just flip-flop, put them both in the backfield, and I think they could take advantage of a very good Tampa Bay front. Yeah, I, I like that. They're short two-point underdogs I see at the score bet. It's hmm. probably similar. I got two and a half it. at FanDuel. Yeah, so it's nice getting those points, especially Green Bay's healthier. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, I will say it's going to be probably that close – Low-scoring, twenty-three-twenty type of mm. game. Yeah, what a what a what a game! Like, like this, this could be a preview of the NFC title game. Yeah, absolutely. Which but we actually we, we we saw this last year, right, with Tampa and the Rams in the regular season, and then they once again they they went at it in the postseason. So, yeah, yeah, we could see that for sure. Uh, Green Bay could get their payback over that loss. What was it two years ago in the playoffs? Zach Linton is saying he faded Garrett Wilson in most of his rookie drafts, but the one he got Same. him in, in a 10-team league, he got him at the 202 in a rookie draft. Like, what Oof. league is that? What? They, they must have they been really sipping on that James Cook, that Rashad White, that George Jeez. Pickens Kool-Aid. Must have been right after the preseason hype or like, like, maybe how, right after Zach Wilson got hurt, too. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah, that's a gift. Uh, Frank, give me another one of your pickups this week. Another one of my pickups. Um, well, this is, to to tell you the truth, outside of uh, Garrett Wilson, and you mentioned Raheem Mostert, it's kind of a dry one. Although, hmm. if Garrett Wilson is in your league, like, it's that's a smash. Like, that could be, that's a home run waiver pickup. That's what you wait for. That's what you want. But, uh, you know, looking at, uh, the rostered percentages. Eno Benjamin isn't a bad one with Daryl Williams, the Cardinals backfield with um, with James Conner banged up. Another one who I was a week early on is uh, Jordan Mason because now mm. Tyrion Davis-Price is injured for a few weeks. So it's just uh, Jeff Wilson and Jordan Mason now. So we know Shanahan. He flips the switch quick. If Mason looks good, maybe he gets more run. Uh so he'd be another option as well, for sure. Um, let's see. Let's let's go to let's go to a running back. Um, we talked about most. Actually, let's go to the quarterback position. Where the hell are we with Marcus Mariota? We talked a little bit about Marcus Mariota earlier. Only rostered nine point three percent of leagues, but leading right now the tenth best offense in terms of points in the NFL. Yeah, well, one thing you have to like the rushing volume we've saw, we've seen, twelve carries in week one, six last week, uh, so that definitely helps his case. 
Uh, he's definitely like he's better in Superflex as a QB two. I like him there. Is in most twelve teamers, there's there's likely a more dependable quarterback option on your wire. Like some leagues, some home leagues, I'm in Tua's available, like or Wentz. So, but Mariota, you you like the rushing volume, and I think he could keep that job all year. And I I love to see it for him because. I think he deserves another crack to show what he's got. Yeah, uh, Marcus Merritt, as uh, Frank alluded to, um, only 20, I'm looking at 26 passing attempts last week, 196 through the air, but 7.5 yards per attempt, a full yard better than week one. Uh, Two passing touchdowns, two interceptions, and the 16 rushing yards. now, his week one output, because of the rushing, he had a better QB 10 week versus QB 18. But now you're you're getting the Seattle Seahawks. And, and I get that, that there are truthers out there. Let's see what Desmond Riddler can do. The Falcons, like I saw somebody tweet it. They said, oh, you can bet the Falcons. The Falcons aren't winning that division. But can the Falcons, po- this is a weak-ass NFC. Can they possibly, like if they can get it together, uh, like these were two close games, right? Like could they possibly challenge for a wild card team? And Arthur Smith, this is his year too. They don't have forever. So, you know, Arthur Smith isn't looking at Desmond Riddler. He's trying to see if he can win football games with Marcus Mariota and sneak into the playoffs. Remember what he did with the Tennessee Titans as the offensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. Uh, so I try to get my hands on Marcus Mariota. As crazy as that, I never thought I'd say that in my life. I, I get the appeal with the rushing upside, but I will say this. For them to have a chance at the wild card, it would be a big surprise yeah, they obviously to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. This is mm. nuts. It has to start this week. Feed him the ball. Give him eight targets at least. Do you think that Seattle uh, or Atlanta gets their first win in Seattle this week? Like, Seattle's terrible. Like, I looked at their number. This is another one of my best bets. I took uh, Atlanta outright. They look, they're just bad. Well... I, I still, coming into the year, I said I think Seattle could be a scrappy team, and it looked good in week one. Then I bet against them in week two. I thought it was just such a bad spot on the road against San Fran coming off a loss. This week, I think this game could go either way. If Seattle really continues to look sloppy on offense, they could absolutely lose at home. But uh, it's going to be a close one. I think this is a game where the, Seattle finally gets their running game going. They got to... You know, Geno Smith has 58 pass attempts in the first two weeks. That's too much for him. Their strength is their running game. They need to feed Rashad Penny. They need to get Kenneth Walker some touches and just pound the rock. And I think they'll do that this week. So it could go either way. But to be honest with you, I'd lean Seattle. But I'm going to pass on this game. Uh, Julia wants to know how we would rank these waiver wire quarterbacks uh, Mariota, Winston, Flacco, Daniel Jones. All right. Well, I'm going to go Mariota one. We mentioned his rushing output. We mentioned his his weapons. Like, London looks great. He's got Pitts. He's got Cordero Patterson. Second, uh, who, who did they say? Uh, Mariota, Winston. Jones. Yeah, Winston, Flacco, Jones, Mariota. Okay, so Winston, I would normally say second just because of his supporting cast. But 
he's hurt. Like he's what was it? He's playing with all these injuries mm. right now. Lower body, especially. I, I, yeah, yeah. So he's not at full uh, full capacity. So I probably go Daniel Jones. As ugly as that sounds, mm. like he hasn't been good, but at least he runs a little bit. He's got twenty five and twenty one yards. He's got sixteen carries. So that puts him slightly ahead of Winston. But if Winston's fully healthy, he's a clear second. Maybe even challenges Mariota for first. Flacco's not really interesting because it's it's like he's got he's got like two games max left, and he doesn't run at all. He's a statue, just passing it. You need him to really air it out to give to get there in terms of fantasy production. So he's a clear four for me. So you think Flacco? I mean, Flacco is actually playing really well right now. Obviously, I, know, I can't I rank him very high right now with the QB ten. But how long, how much more run is he going to have? Like, if you need a short-term replacement, then I, I think you would target Flacco with how he's playing. But if you're looking for something long-term, Zach Wilson's eventually going to get back in his lineup. But, like, you know, yeah. uh, I, I would go Marcus Mariota. I, I think I would – dude, this is rough. Uh, this is hard. Yeah. With how I would rank him. Um. Again, because of the lack of longevity, if you're looking for longevity, I would put Flacco last, but short term, I might bump him up to number one or two. I, I like uh, I like Winston one, uh, Mariota, Daniel Jones, and Flacco. But again, on the short term, I would put Flacco one or two. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Like, look at the, look at this. You know, passing volume, 59 attempts, then he had over 40. So the volume is there. I understand it from your perspective. Like Daniel Jones, uh, he he's just, it's Daniel Jones. Like QB 16, QB 22. <laughs> uh, we don't know what the hell this offense is week in and week out. Like Barkley popped in week one, but kind of didn't have the greatest game in week two. Now they get the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, and Micah Parsons looks like the second coming of, like, Lawrence Taylor. He's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, for sure in the short term, it's ugly to have Daniel Jones. I will agree there. Flacco could definitely outscore him for this week. You know, uh, what do you like in this Monday night game, Frank, with Dallas and, and New York? Dallas and New York this week. Um well, I think we'll see a better week from Saquon Barkley. Dallas struggled containing Leonard Fournette in week one. Bar you gotta love, even though Barkley had a bad fantasy week in week two, he still had twenty-one carries and four targets. Like the workload is immense. And he's got his explosion back. I, I definitely like him in that matchup. But it's it's ugly overall, thirty nine and a half point total. Yeah, it, it's rough. I, I like Dallas. To, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, I believe they're 9-1 in their past 10 games against the New York Giants. Uh, they've covered oh, the yeah. spread in 8 of 10, and I, and I get it's Cooper Rush, but, like, Dallas should win that football game just because of the defense. Like, that defense holding Tampa and, and uh, who they play last week, the Bengals, to fewer than 19 points, that's ridiculous. Agreed. Totally agree. Their defense looks great. Uh, it's really looking like it could carry them as they, like I said, weather the storm without Dak. Even when Dak comes back, like, just score. and Like, if you can hold teams to, like, that low a point, like Dak, all you got to do is score a couple touchdowns. That's it. You don't need to put up 35. 
Yeah, exactly. Like play Cooper Rush ball. Like remember how yeah. Frank, remember how Dak was in his first couple of years when Dallas was really successful? He was throwing it like 25, 30 times. He was getting six rushing touchdowns in each of his first three seasons. Yeah. Dallas was winning. That's true. That might be the formula, especially as he returns from that injury, they'll probably have him scaled back a bit. Like you don't need him to be Aaron Rodgers with that defense. Yeah, totally agree. Their D looks great. Um, let's go before as we begin to wrap up. Tight end position. I, I see he's roughly 31% rostered, uh, depending on what format. Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett right now, like every year there seems to be like there's a uh like a Mark Andrews, there's a Darren Waller. Gerald Everett might be that guy because through two games, I believe he's a PPR tight end like four or five. Yeah, he's been really good. Three for 54 and a touchdown. And then last week, six of 10 targets for 71 yards. I will say that increased volume is certainly because Keenan Allen was out. And once Allen is back, that'll that'll change and decrease. But late, late round tight end, tight end streamer, one that could stick in your lineup, at least for a chunk of the season, he could be a top 10 tight end. Absolutely. Now, why do you think, I, I get it with Keenan Allen out, more opportunity, but this is a tight, like Jared Cook had 80 targets last year. Yeah, that's that's a good point for sure. And uh, a tight end makes an impact in this scheme and it's a pass-heavy offense. They play up-tempo, sometimes to their own detriment, like uh, that pick six. They should not mm. have ran up that quick. I was even saying it before they ran up because it's like, why are you playing so fast right now? You're at the one. Anyways, that turned out wherever it was gassed and he couldn't make enough of a run on the ball and it was a pick. But I digress again. Uh, the point I'm making is he could be like a cook, but that'll still it's not. I, I can't see like a big eruption like a Darren Waller. But right. I could see I could see like a rock solid tight end one tight end seven to eight to ten range. Higby or Everett from Julia? Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Um, well, Higby has 20 targets in two weeks. We've seen him have a real dominant stretch in the past, That like two years ago. Remember that crazy run? Uh, I still got to believe they'll get A-Rob involved more in that and that this target share from Higby is a bit unsustainable. They're like neck and neck, really. And you know what? I'm going to give it to Everett just because I think this year Herbert will have a better year than Stafford and the Chargers offense will be better. And, you know, but again, one more question. Be Speaking of Herbert and Stafford, which quarterback injury are you worried about more? Uh, and for me, it, it's it's Stafford. Because the ribs, yeah. you know, Herbert's ribs will get will be fine. They'll eventually heal yeah. up unless he doesn't unless he doesn't take another hit. But like this Stafford thing, we heard it, uh, you know, especially at the tail end of the offseason where the team is concerned. Yeah, definitely more worried about Stafford because it's an elbow, could affect his throwing, could affect his ability to make big plays downfield. And like you said, like the ribs will heal in a couple. Like he might be banged up a bit for the first week or two off the injury, but not too worried about it affecting his play. Definitely more concerned about Stafford. All right, Frank, this was another amazing one. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show again. Love coming on every week. You can find my work, my uh, 
weekly rankings at the game day along with some betting articles there always tweeting out fantasy content have my own podcast for fantasy football with the fantasy jones with a friend of mine named carlos and uh at twitter you could find my handle at f-a-m-m-i-r-a-n-t-e-t-f-j always willing to answer your lineup questions and debate with you talking football all right guys we will be back tomorrow 6 30 p.m eastern as we begin to take a look at nfl week three from a fantasy football point of view until then for frank and myself this is the ff face off if you want to win you have to tune in we'll see you tomorrow 